Really, I should probably talk about Going Deutsch's set. I'm calling it the Going Deutsch save because it's a German save. And it plugs the podcast. Bring back the so podcast, Woodward. I know there's no German football. Talk about it anyway. <laughs> Just give, give the people what they want. Well, ask and ye shall receive. I know it's been a while since we recorded that, but run the intro. Hello and welcome back to the Going Deutsch podcast for the first time in 2023. A look at the wonderful world of German football brought to you by someone who's really glad to be talking about German football again on a podcast. Yes, the long, long winter break is finally at an end and we have German football back in our lives. Thank the Lord. How depressing was that break? As a fan of the Seattle Kraken, I can say not depressing at all because I watched a lot of Seattle Kraken hockey and they were absolutely marvellous. I mean, I don't know how they've been quite as good as they've been this year, but I'm also not going to complain about it. So yeah, obviously not watching a lot of football over the break wasn't fantastic, but I have other hobbies, so it wasn't like too much of a struggle. But it is very nice to have football back, obviously a 68-day break in the end between the final games in November and Bayern Munich against Leipzig in the Bundesliga on the weekend. And we will be briefly going through that round of fixtures in the Bundesliga, the English Fokker this week and then a quick look at the Dritter Liga as well. If you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you'll know that that's the basic format of every episode. Obviously, the Svitev is normally included, but there hasn't been any Svitev Bundesliga yet. So really, it feels like this weekend is when football finally properly returns because I love the Svitev Bundesliga. It's my favourite league in the world. And to have that finally come back as well will make it feel like football is finally complete and ready for the rest of the 2022-23 season. Anyway, welcome to the show today. I hope you're doing well. I hope this podcast finds you in good health as per usual. If you are a subscriber to this podcast, thank you so much for being one, but you'll have noticed that the title of the podcast and the logo have changed. I've decided after 11 months of really enjoying doing Going Dutch, I'm going to commit to this fully for the most part and just rebrand the entire podcast because I haven't done like a sports blitz episode in two years now it's all been specials so I'm rebranding the podcast now as going Deutsch it's only taken 33 episodes to come to that conclusion I may do cycling content in the summer but I'm not sure at the moment. The only thing that hasn't changed is the URL. Remember to go to anchor.fm forward slash vsportsplits to find out where you can play this podcast. You can also play it there, or you can keep doing what you're doing because you're currently playing a podcast at the moment. You are the Wolfsburg of playing podcasts. And of course, remember to go to the Sports Blitz website for writing about German football, other football, very rarely, and other sports as well, also quite rarely recently, including the new Going Deutsch segment of the website, which you can find on the top banner. It says Going Deutsch right next to articles and right next to the NFL Blitz, and that's where all of my German football articles are situated, including the winter transfer window update, which obviously had quite a lot of stuff to talk about last week. This week is going to be negative 
if you've seen a certain transfer that's been confirmed, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And also the best moments from every match day in both the Bundesliga and the Zweite Bundesliga. There's a lot of good football memories to look at there. So before we go into the English Vocker, let's have a quick look back to match day 16 of the Bundesliga of games that took place last weekend. The first games back after the winter break and I want to narrow it down to only the games that have really interesting moments in which means I've narrowed it down to all of the games because it was one of the wildest match days in the Bundesliga so far this season. An average of 4.3 goals per game, which is absolutely wild. It is unbelievable. That sort of high number over nine games. It's something that, unsurprisingly, none of Europe's other top leagues could match. That's actually not even a criticism against them. This weekend was so wild, but it would be really, truly hard for any other league to match it. Obviously, the Bundesliga does well in goals per game anyway. I believe it's the top league for goals per game in Europe's top five leagues. But this weekend was even wilder than normal, so it was absolutely fantastic to watch. So we'll start off with a brief mention of the Friday night game. Leipzig won, Bayern won, Eric Maxim Chupamoting, continuing to be just one of the best players that we've ever known. Opening the scoring by hitting in a Serge Nabry cross, but then Marcel Halstenberg would score in the second half from close range to equalise. So it was a it was an interesting match, if not the most exciting of the weekend. And there were a few interesting moments. There was a moment where was it a Bayern defender could have got sent off? I think it might have been delict for a potential last man challenge. I did agree with the referee not giving it, but it was a moment of contention with a few others as well where the refereeing was questioned by both sides that's to be honest remarkably normal but yeah one all fair result overall i would say obviously the reason to bring this game up like i did in the article edition on the sportsblitzblog.wordpress.com was because that result meant that freiburg could cut the gap at the top of the table between themselves and Bayern to two points. So, really exciting for them. So, could they do it against Wolfsburg? No. No, they really, really couldn't. Could they even look like a competent Bundesliga side against Wolfsburg? No. No, they couldn't. Because the final result was Wolfsburg 6, Freiburg 0. This is a side who are very genuinely Champions League contenders this year in Freiburg. And like I said, if the gap between them and top of the league is at two points, closing another midway stage of the season, then they're title contenders. It doesn't matter the stature of the club or how much they're achieving. They have to be considered a genuine title threat. And then this game happened... And now we don't know what to think about Freiburg. To be honest, it's probably a freak result, right? But they were absolutely terrible in this game. Patrick Wimmer continuing to be a fantastic player. We've got an interesting stat about him later on when we talk about the Hertha Berlin game. He ran through the middle of defence, slotted into the bottom corner. He then had a really good assist for a Jonas Wind goal for the second 
Vind would also score another before Yannick Gerhardt would find an acre of space to slot in between the legs of Mark Flecken. Rielabaku would hit a volley from across for the fifth game and then a penalty was converted by Luca Waldschmidt for the sixth of the game. Freiburg were just terrible. I mean, what can you say about a side who lose 6-0? Wolfsburg are a good side, and we'll talk more about Wolfsburg being a good side later on, but what can you really say about a side who lose 6-0? Especially when that side are title contenders. It was just a shocking result. And like I said, I believe it's going to be a one-off overall. I don't think this is emblematic of what is to come for Freiburg, but it was a truly shocking result. Of course, that was shocking the game that took place on the, I guess, Saturday evening football between Köln and Werder Bremen was just as shocking because Werder would also lose by six goals in a 7-1 defeat against Köln. And Köln just got off to an amazing start. They capitalised on what had to be the weirdest free-kick routine from Werder Bremen. I don't know what they were trying, but it didn't work because Köln would get onto the end of a misplaced pass and launch a counter-attack which would end with Linton Minor with all the space in the box to slot into the back of the net. I think Ole Werner pictured that free-kick routine ending in a goal, I just don't think he pictured it ending in a goal in that way. Again, a misplaced pass would be responsible for Kiln's second, Florian Kynes, I believe, picking off a Marvin Dusk pass? I think that's who it was, before he played in Stefan Tiggers for his fourth goal of the season. And then Yeri Pavlenka decided to do a stupid by doing the sort of I'm going on an adventure meme and running out to nearly the halfway line. And the commentators on the world feed praised the decision and said Pavlenka's actually right to do that. I disagree and here's why. He had to get his clearance of the ball 100% perfect. There was a cone player in possession, and he was trying to clear the ball off him, and he had to get his clearance 100% perfect to make sure it got all the way to the other end of the pitch, so he'd have enough time to run back. If he doesn't get 100% perfect, then he's really exposing himself for a goal, because if you are the Bundesliga level player, you should be able to hit an empty net from near the halfway line, but still inside the Verder half. You should be able to hit that 10 times out of 10. Now, in all fairness, I will say for Pavlenka, the absolute worst-case scenario panned out because it didn't just go to any Köln player. It didn't go to one of the defenders who might genuinely struggle with that. It went to Stefan Tiggers. And <laughs> if you're going to put your money on anyone to score that, it's going to be Tiggers, right? And yes, he would find the target. Like I said, well, I think most players will be able to find the target on an empty net with... It's worth saying, very little Verda pressure on them. Like, no defender really had the time to, to run over and pressure him. But I feel like most players would have scored in that situation. That's why I don't agree with Pavlenka's decision. Also, if you're a fan of a certain ice hockey YouTube series, then I'm going to take a thing from him and go, If you're a goaltender, tend for goal! Or in this case, if you're a goalkeeper, keep the goal! I hope you can actually listen to that without being deafened. I apologise if you have just been deafened by listening to that. Also, I cannot get my voice to the same sort of pitch that Steve Dangle can. But yeah, there's a very small section of the people listening to this podcast who will get that reference. Anyway, 
So that wasn't good. Vader would continue to make others after that. They turned into statues for a cross, which allowed Elijah Kiri a really easy finish of the back post. And then Denny Susan Basic would also get in on the front, one of the signings of the season. This was a another great moment for him. Nicholas Fulkrug would score, but at that point it was 5-1 at the half-time break, and there was clearly no chance of anything happening. Kilne in the first half had five shots on target, scored five times. So Yuri Pavlenka not exactly having the best game. Elisha Kiri in the second half would get his second goal before Marco Friedel would put it into his own net for 7-1. To be honest, I don't think Kilne needed help scoring in this game, but apparently Werder were happy to offer it. So yeah, again, kind of like with Freiburg, I believe this is a freak result on behalf of Werder Bremen and that they're not going to turn this into a really bad run of form. Credit to Stefan Baumgart, by the way, not only for masterminding this massive 7-1 win for Köln, but also for wearing just a t-shirt in zero degree condition. So I would like to bestow onto him the title of Honorary Yorkshireman. So well done, Stefan Baumgart, and well done, Köln, for a really good performance. Welcome 1-3-1 against Hertha Berlin, a really big game for Thomas Lech and company. They've had 15 points in their last nine games. It's propelled them, or at the time it propelled them, out of the relegation places. And it was a game in which Bochum were significantly the better side. Hertha Berlin looking absolutely dead in that one. More on that later on. Philip Hoffman with two. Kevin Slotterbeck getting one on his debut. So a really good game for Bochum. The goal for Hertha coming far too late from Stuart Serdar. Borussia Dortmund 4, Augsburg 3. No one, no one saw this coming. It was nice to have Jude Bellingham back in our lives. A good finish from outside the box to open the scoring. Arnie Meyer scoring for Augsburg to level the scores with Augsburg's first real chance of the game. Nico Schlotterbeck would make it 2-1 before Erdin Demirovic would make it 2-all going into the second half. Sebastian Haller came on for his first game back after testicular cancer. He was wearing F cancer boots, which was a really nice touch. He didn't score, but another substitute did. Jamie Bino-Gittens made it 3-2 before David Kalina would make it 3-all just two minutes later. However, one minute after that, the game would be won by Gio Reyna. Gio Reyna didn't actually have an ideal game before that, but he did score a spectacular winning goal. More on that later on. To go for the other games in the Bundesliga, Hoffenheim would go one up against Union Berlin. Elias Babu showing why he's been so important to Hoffenheim in recent years. But two headers from Dorecki and a 96th minute Jamie Leveling goal would mean Union Berlin would win 3-1. Bruno Labbadia in his first game in charge of Stuttgart would draw one all with Mainzer. Garassi with the goal for Stuttgart in the 36th minute to give them the lead before Marcus Invarkson penalty would level the scores. Frankfurt 3, Schalke 0. The highlight of the game, Jesper Lindstrom's fantastic goal in the 22nd minute. Rafael Bora and Aurelio Buta getting the other goals. It means that Schalke haven't won on the road in 36 Bundesliga matches. That is now the record for most away matches winless in the Bundesliga, taking that record off Karlsruhe in the mid-90s. So, well done them. So anyway, that was the Bundesliga in, oh, actually, I did forget to mention Borussia Mönchengladbach 2, Bayer Leverkusen 3. A spirited comeback from Gladbach after being 3-0 down, two large Stindl goals wasn't enough for the Mitchell Backer, Amin Adley and Andy Mamiri getting goals for Bayer Leverkusen. 
So that was a brief look at match day 16. For more about how the match day went, go to the sportsblitzblog.wordpress.com and look for the recent Going Dutch article called 5678 and you'll be able to see a more detailed analysis of what happened there. Let's now talk about match day 17 in the Bundesliga. The final game of the Hinrunde will be starting for Vukrunde this weekend. But first, let's have a look at what happened in the English Fokker. And I think we can only really start off in one place, which is with Hertha nil Wolfsburg 5. Of course, we just mentioned that in match day 16, Wolfsburg won 6-0 at home to Freiburg. And of course, Hertha Berlin is an easier side to play than Freiburg, but Jesus Christ, this is an unbelievable start to 2023 for Niko Kovac's men. In two games, 11 goals scored, non-conceded. I mean, you can't exactly ask for much more. And if you do ask for much more, you're probably a Bayern Munich fan. But anyway, let's talk about this game then. Wolfsburg opened the scoring in the fourth minute. Matthias Fenberg with a volley. It took a slight deflection before going in. Maximilian Arnold will make it 2-0 from the penalty spot in the 31st minute. It came from a free kick and the defender, I don't know who it was, had his arm straight in the air like he don't care. It was actually impressive that he managed to get his arm from his side to straight up like that so quickly considering he was in the middle of the wall and ultra confusing but he decided to do that for no reason. Anyway, Arnold would convert the penalty. Jonas Wind would then chip over Christiansen for 3-0 the hair to defence just unable to withstand any amount of pressure because Wolfsburg came in for high press when Hertha were on the ball. They lost the ball and Vind had the easiest of opportunities to score. So 3-0 at the half-time break. Reid Labaku would make it 4-0 in the 72nd minute before a fifth goal that, I'll be honest, I didn't even notice had gone in in the first place. But it was Omar Marmouche with a fantastic goal because he only scores good goals. Brilliantly cutting through the defence before scoring. He, he showed a lot of great ability with that because he, he essentially waltzed through the defence like they weren't even there. And obviously, I think he's one of the best players to watch of the Bundesliga. I don't just say that because he had a notable loan spell with a certain club in the 2020-21 season. But I also say that because he is a genuinely really exciting talent. You may remember... In the earlier on in the winter window, uh, both Borussia Dortmund and Borussia Gladbach were linked with him. That speculation seems to have died down, but still, what a fantastic player he is. And what a fantastic performance this was from Wolfsburg as well. They were absolutely perfect. They played phenomenally, just like they did in the game against Freiburg. Nico Kovac's side making an incredible start to this 2023 segment of the season. I was going to say Vukrunder then, we're not in Vukrunder yet, but obviously, like I said at the beginning, you can't exactly ask for much more. Of course, one player in particular that you can't complain about at Wolfsburg is Patrick Wimmer. The summer signing from Armenia Bielefeld has been absolutely fantastic for VFL since joining and he is putting himself among some pretty elite names. As noted in Kicker, there are only three players in Europe's top five leagues who have been able to provide more than one key pass a match. In first place in that list 
is Kevin De Bruyne, the former Wolfsburg man himself. And in third place is Lionel Messi. You know, nothing special, only the greatest player to ever play the game. So, those two are really good. Who's in second? Who's in the middle of those two? It's Patrick Wimmer of Wolfsburg. He has been absolutely sensational. And he commented on it saying it's a great list to be a part of. And it absolutely is. He has been sensational for Wolfsburg this year. And I think that stat more than any other proves it. Also, credit in this game to Matthias Fanberg, who was absolutely exceptional uh, and deserves a lot of praise. He was probably the man of the match for me. Anyway, let's talk about Hertha Berlin, because obviously there's a more intriguing story there and also a more worrying one for their fans, well, what fans they have left. Speaking after the game, sporting director Freddie Bobic said, quote, the first half was the worst thing I've seen this season. The players know that too, unquote. And there are a lot of contenders for worst Hertha Berlin moments so far this season. Like I said last year on this podcast, I feel like Hertha Berlin haven't actually been too bad this year. Like, they've definitely had worse seasons from a performance perspective. But these last two games, the 3-1 defeat to Bochum and this 5-0 defeat at home to Wolfsburg, they've looked completely dead in both games. They've looked beyond terrible in both games. And to be honest, when you're taking on Wolfsburg, it is understandable to lose quite heavily as a relegation contender. But what's the excuse for the Bochum game? To be honest, I think the overriding theme is that they've just been terrible in both of these games. They need a bounce-back performance quickly if Sandro Schwartz is going to keep his job. The whole mood around Hertha Berlin, as it has been for the last few years, is just so negative. It is remarkably negative. There were fewer than 30,000 fans in attendance in this game, which might not sound too bad, but of course, it is worth pointing out the Olympia Stadion in Berlin has a capacity of 80,000, and when you have fewer than 30,000 fans in the stadium, it really looks bad. It looked like there was a fire drill. You know, that, you know that mocking chant, is there a fire drill, when all the fans are leaving? Well, this, this was that, because there was practically no one there and it just felt so cold even from here in the UK I mean it, it was cold in the UK anyway but it, the atmosphere just felt so cold and silent and miserable Florian Niederlechner who has of course just signed from Augsburg was sat in the stands and he looked like he was regretting his decision to move to Hertha Berlin and who wouldn't at the moment because with the way they're playing, with the way the fans are feeling, with the entire mood of the club, it doesn't feel like anything is going to turn them around anytime soon. Then again, they're playing in the Berlin Derby of the weekend against Union. If they can get a win there, that would turn mood and momentum immediately, you'd have to assume. So they need a big performance in that game at the weekend. Anyway, moving on then to our next game, a relegation six-pointer between Hoffenheim and Stuttgart. Finishing in a 2 all draw. Feels weird to say relegation six points with Hoffenheim. But they're only three points clear of a drop where they were entering this game. So maybe it is. If you've read the winter transfer updates or you just watch the news anyway. You'll know that Hoffenheim lost Jorginho Ruta in the winter transfer window. Moving to the Premier League. Hoffenheim aren't going to complain too much about that because they got 40 million euros from him, or I believe it's upwards of 40 million euros, which is 
I believe, easily their biggest ever player sale for a player who was good. But it's not like the team absolutely lived or died off him. And there are going to be players who need to step up to replace him. Obviously, Elias Babu's come back. But another player who could really do with stepping up is Andre Kramovic, who had a bad start to the season, but put in a fantastic performance in this game. Both of his goals were fantastic, starting with the first one in the 11th minute. Really good volley from the Croatian striker. Really worth watching on the Bundesliga highlights package. Hoffenheim would hold that lead through the rest of the first half until pretty much the very last kick of the first half. So Gerasi springing the offside trap to slot past Oliver Bauman and equalise. And the game was fairly even up until that point. I think Hoffenheim were probably slightly the better team. It would remain that sort of way in the second half. But then Stuttgart... Semi against the runner play would score a second with Taru Endo. It's just fantastic and we love watching him all the time. A good finish curling into the top corner from the edge of the box. It was weird because it looked like there might have been a foul in the build-up. But it didn't look like it went to VAR review and the broadcast I was watching didn't seem to particularly care about it. So I guess not. Maybe I just didn't see it properly. That's most likely because I didn't see the goal going in the first place. I just saw this what looked like a foul on the replay in the distance. So I thought, oh, maybe they're going to review that and then they just didn't. The goal wasn't disallowed, but that didn't mean there was no bad news for Stuttgart because Ahamada decided to go into the crowd to celebrate, which isn't a great decision. It's an automatic killer card if you go into the crowd, but it's not a truly terrible decision. It's not like he'd have been yellow carded four minutes before. Okay, so maybe it was like that. He went into the crowd whilst on a yellow card, which... Is an automatic yellow card, so as soon as he came back down, the referee showed him his second yellow and sent him off. Which, obviously, wasn't exactly a great act of thinking things through. Obviously, this is not the first time this has happened. Quite a few players have got sent off for going into the crowd. I feel like all players in the Bundesliga should be told, the crowd is lava. The crowd is lava. Do not go there. You will get burnt badly. So just don't, don't do it. Don't bother crowd is lava that would definitely help with avoiding players getting sent off but you know what it's okay so long as Hoffenheim don't score again if they can hold on to this win then no one will really remember that Ahamada got sent off for going into the crowd and credit to Stuttgart they defended resolutely after that incident because Hoffenheim were really piling on the pressure but Stuttgart were holding them off until the 94th minute when Andre Kramovic would score a goal arguably even better than his first one, cutting in on his inside and curling it straight into the top corner. A fantastic goal. It was really one of the highlights of the weekend um, with it coming so late and it being so clutch. It was one of the more memorable moments. So Hoffenheim rescued a point at the end there, obviously aided massively by the red card. That probably made them the best side overall, but Stuttgart, with their resolute defending, 
in that, what was it, 16 minute period between the red card of the goal, probably did deserve a point. So credit to them and Bruno Labbadia, who does have an undefeated start for his first two games as Stuttgart manager, obviously still waiting to win though. Mines one, Borussia Dortmund two, and oh boy, did we go on a roller coaster of emotions through this game. Obviously, no Mats Hummels starting for Dortmund in this game. And normally, when Hummels doesn't play, there is the worry that Dortmund will struggle to defend set pieces. And so I, I saw that he wasn't in the lineup. I was like, ah, oh, I hope they don't like struggle with set piece defending. And it took literally 90 seconds for Dortmund to concede from a corner of a Jason Glee header. The funniest thing about this as well was the, the commentators hadn't finished talking about Dortmund's bad away form when Dortmund went behind away from home. Because they have been absolutely terrible away from home so far this season. And when Mainz took the lead after 90 seconds, like, oh boy, here we go again. But... They did score after three and a half minutes to level the game and it was Julian Ryerson, the new signing from Union Berlin, who didn't have the most ideal debut because obviously he, I guess technically conceded an own goal. I don't think it was given to him by the dubious goals committee, but I would have given it as an own goal, even though I absolutely love him. He did get a goal, though, at the right end this time, his shot being deflected off Fernandez and going in. So a bit of good luck for Julian Ryerson after the bad luck that he had in the game against Augsburg. And to be honest, the rest of the game wasn't very good. It was Dortmund occasionally trying things and just not being able to do anything. And Mines getting forward very occasionally and also not being able to do anything. It was a very dull affair for the most part, especially when you compare it to that game between Dortmund and Augsburg at the weekend, which was so much more better. But there would be a hero for Borussia Dortmund at the end of the game in the 93rd minute. And for the second game in a row, it would be Gio Reyna, who came on and played really well and did get the winner. And he got that goal because Sebastian Haller headed on a corner to him. So Haller getting his first assist for Borussia Dortmund. We love to see it. Gio Reyna adding the finishing touch. And... Well, we've started off 2023 in a similar way to which we ended 2022. Honestly, I should just record generic blanket statement for Borussia Dortmund games and replay it when necessary because, again, Dortmund weren't convincing in this game but managed to win. So, I guess that's good. Good sides win ugly. It's just that Dortmund win ugly more often than they don't and it is really concerning. However... The gap between them and Bayern at the top of the league is down to four points, so who knows anything anymore? It's a really confusing season so far, and Dortmund could still technically be in the title race, but again, I know this was a win, and I know it helped correct their bad away form, but they need to be putting in much better performances than this in the future if they want to truly catch up to and compete with Bayern Munich. Freiburg won, Eintracht Frankfurt won. This was a game going into the match week that looked the most intriguing. Two sides who could finish the match day in second place. And to be honest, 
Freiburg will be absolutely kicking themselves as to how they didn't win this game. The only goal of the first half coming in the 42nd minute, Randall Kolomowani continuing to just be absolutely fantastic and the signing of the summer with a finish from outside the box into the bottom corner. Freiburg most certainly should have had a goal in the first half, but they just weren't able to convert. And when they did have a shot on target, Kevin Trapp was his usual good self. It, it did really feel like, though, that they were absolutely beyond unfortunate to not have a goal. Freiburg did, however, score two minutes into the second half. Matthias Ginter with a header. And to be honest, they had so many good chances after that to win this game. So many chances that they just weren't able to convert on. Eintracht Frankfurt were very lucky to get a draw. I guess their defending was resolute, but... It does feel like Freiburg will be the more disappointed with this result. Werder Bremen 1, Union Berlin 2. While it wasn't 7-1 again, they conceded five goals fewer than they did of the weekend against Köln. So, real improvement from Werder Bremen in this game. They opened the scoring in the 14th minute and it was absolutely obvious that this was going to happen because... As a corner came in from Marvin Dusk, the commentator on the Bundesliga World Feed was going, Union Berlin haven't conceded from a corner so far this season. And by the time, he had, in fact, he hadn't even finished saying that before Amos Pieper had headed it in for his first goal in the Bundesliga. So an incredible moment for him, helped by the commentator. I know Marvin Dusk was credited with the assist for putting the corner in, but I really feel like the commentator on the world feed, in my being Kevin Hatchard, deserves an assist as well for that because he he definitely 100% contributed. Union, though, would be level just four minutes later. The worst attempt at a back pass, I believe from Mitchell Weiser, would eventually allow Yannick Harborer to have a very easy opportunity. Obviously, we talked about this earlier on in the podcast, but Werder Bremen were quite error-prone in that game against Köln. You cannot be making mistakes against Union Berlin because they are just so efficient at pouncing on errors from opponents that it's essentially just automatically conceding a goal, it feels like. And to be honest, Union could have scored a lot more goals that way because Werder Bremen continued to be error-prone in this game as well. It was quite worrying Especially when they tried to play out of the back. You know, sometimes you've just got to hoof it up the pitch. And it just felt like Werder weren't willing to do that, even if it was going to get them into a load of trouble. There was another moment in that first half where Union, while did technically capitalise on it, Yuri Pavlenka trying to find a player to pass the ball to, and he hit it straight into an Union player which, you know, just brilliant decision-making. It went straight to Geraldo Becker for a really good finish. One of the goals of the weekend had it stood because VAR had a look at it and they determined that because Pavlenka's clearance immediately hit the hand of Union player and went straight to Geraldo Becker from his hand that the goal shouldn't have stood. I thought it was a bit harsh because, for me... Yuri Pavlenka's mistake is the key factor there that contributed to the goal, not the Union player's hand. And so, essentially, it's allowing Pavlenka 
to get away with quite a stupid error. Yuri Pavlenka should be sending Christmas cards to, I know it's a bit late, but he should be sending Christmas cards to the VAR room because he was very lucky to get away with such a blatant, terrible error. It was truly mind-bogglingly bad. He's had a bad start to his 2023, and I blame it on me putting him in my fantasy team. And yeah, I decided to restart my fantasy because I lost access to my old team because the Bundesliga's signing is sometimes a bit weird. And I've started up again, and I put Yuri Pavlenka in as one of my goalkeepers, and now suddenly he's turned to not one of the best keepers in the league, we'll just say. So, yeah, I'll be honest, Verde fans, it might be my fault, and I do apologise for that. Anyway, Union were the better side in the second half. They would only need one second half minute to take the lead. Josip Juranovic, the new kid on the block, the player here to replace Julian Ryerson, who could become a club record signing. It was €6 million Euros originally, but it could rise to €10 million Euros with add-ons, his transfer. He was making his debut in this game, and he would cross in for Kevin Behrens to head home. A fantastic header from him. Union played really well in this game. They did deserve the victory in the end. Further, it was a better performance, but we come back to the key about the Köln game, the key about this game, they've just got to reduce the number of mistakes they're making because it could be really damaging for them in the Ruck Runder. If we can clear that up, they'll be back to being the same old Werder, the same side they've been this year who have been really impressive, but they've got to clear up those mistakes first. To go through the other games a bit quicker than these games. So then again, we're not rushed for time because we don't have the Spider Bundesliga to go into. Schalke 1, Leipzig 6. Oof. I mean, I knew this game was going to be bad. I don't think I believed it was going to be quite this bad for Schalke. And I'll be honest, the memes of the mascot going around with him reacting to this game <laughs> were very funny. Go and look them up on social media if you haven't seen them already. But two goals for Andre Silva, one for Benjamin Henrits, one for Timo Werner, one for Danny Omo and one for Yusuf Poulsen. This was a great team performance from Leipzig. Kazuki would get the only goal of the game for Schalke, but honestly, who cares? They're still looking terrible. They need answers on fast. Otherwise, their instant relegation back to the Spider Bundesliga will almost become an inevitability. Bayern won, Köln won, while they were so close. They were so, so close. Elisha Kiri giving Köln the lead in the fourth minute. One of the more underrated players in the Bundesliga this season. He got a volley at the back post after a corner. And Köln were holding on resolutely for much of this game. They were absolutely fantastic. Give credit to that back four who mostly put in a really solid performance despite buying attack after buying attack after buying attack. Köln were holding on, but unfortunately, because apparently we're not allowed to have nice things, Joshua Kimmich scoring in the 90th minute to give Bayern an equaliser. <sighs> It's a shame, isn't it? I've got to say, my favourite moment of this game, though, Eric Matchim Chupamoting, who we've already talked about, is God, and could have his wages doubled by Bayern when he signs a new contract, because, 
Obviously, it's clear now that he's a much more important player for Bayern than they expected him to be when they first signed him. He hit the post from an open goal and it was a tad bit embarrassing. It was lucky, actually, not only did the Kimmich goal save his blushes, but also the offside flag went up straight after the play. So maybe it was offside, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just the assistant referee doing him a solid and just going, hey, look, we'll make this less embarrassing for you. How about that? <laughs> I don't think it was that for the record, but definitely helped spare his blushes a little bit. Still, it was a shocking mess. But Bayern did get a point. They... May have deserved more, but to be honest, I think Köln's defending was good enough for them to get a point from this game. A really good start to 2023 for Stefan Baumgart and Köln, who are moving in the right direction. Augsburg won, Borussia Mönchengladbach nil. Not quite the result I expected. It looks like Augsburg are waking up and ready to barely scrape survival again for like the 20 millionth year in a row. Only one goal in this game, of course. Calvin Yeboah, of course, the nephew of Tony Yeboah, with a cross for Mergin Berisha, with one of the best goals of the week as well. A side-footed volley into the top corner. Go and look it up if you've not seen it, because it was absolutely fantastic. I would like to take this opportunity, because we've mentioned Calvin Yeboah, the new signing for Augsburg from Genoa, nephew of Tony Boa, to go on a small little rant that I'm calling a small rant about Tony Yeboah. So, Tony Yeboah is undoubtedly a Bundesliga legend. For that, I don't think there can be any sort of debate. He played 10 seasons in the Bundesliga. He made 223 appearances and scored 96 goals. He was absolutely fantastic for both Eintracht Frankfurt and for Hamburg. Definitely better for Eintracht, but still also really good for Hamburg as well. By comparison, his time with Leeds in the mid-90s, who Jorginho Ruta has signed for, weirdly enough, not that weirdly, it's much smaller. He only made 47 appearances for Leeds compared to his 223 appearances in the Bundesliga. And yet, if you look up Tony Boa videos on YouTube or Tony Boa content anywhere, pretty much 99% of it is about his time at Leeds. And that makes sense to some extent. And I'm not saying I'm not grateful because I'm a Leeds United fan. And... Tony Bowers' time at Leeds is one of the just defining things to look at if you're a Leeds fan because some of the goals he scored for Leeds were truly outrageous and I will say his best two goals that he ever scored were goals for Leeds, the volley against Liverpool and the strike against Wimbledon as well. But it feels like there should really be a lot more Tony Bower Bundesliga content. And I would really love a lot more Tony Bower Bundesliga content. The only thing I could find that was dedicated to his time in the Bundesliga was a top five goals countdown from the Eintracht Frankfurt YouTube channel. And they definitely consider him a legend at Eintracht, as they should do. But it feels like there could be way more content. I am begging the Bundesliga, just to make something about Tony Eboa, just please make something. Also, if you're an English football fan, you might not know this, but in that Eintracht side, Tony Eboa played alongside JJ Okocha, and it is criminal that there is not more footage of them two playing together, because they were two of the most exciting electric players of the mid-90s to mid-2000s, and that... A lot of their fantastic skill in Germany has been lost to 
The internet is just a real shame. Anyway, that's my small rant about Tony Bora over. I will say, actually, one of the things I found that was truly interesting was Jurgen Klopp talking about how much Tony Yeboa did for football in Germany. He said, quote, Yeboa was one of the greatest strikers who played in Germany, apart from Gerd Muller. He had a big impact on society, unquote. I mean, that is a remarkable comment. That is one of the all-time quotes for someone like Jurgen Klopp to say that is absolutely sensational. So, yeah, more Tony Yeboa Bundesliga content, please. End of rant. <laughs> Moving on to our final game. Bayer Leverkusen 2, Bochum 0. I think we, we all like Thomas Lech and we all like Bochum and what he's doing with Bochum. But we all saw this coming because Xavi Alonso's Bayer Leverkusen have been fantastic. This was a clear win for Leverkusen. They were the much better side. Edmund Tapsoba giving the side the lead with a penalty in the first half. It was light contact for the foul, enough for VAR to give the penalty, but I'm not saying it wasn't, but I'm also not saying it was. It was. I'm, I'm a bit unsure myself. Florian Wirtz, obviously, coming back from a very long-term injury. I believe, I believe it was in this game. I don't remember him coming on uh, the weekend. He probably did. I can't remember. Anyway, this was his first real piece of great skill, since he's come back, he set up Adam Hrozek for the second of the game. The second and final goal of the game. A good performance from Bayer Leverkusen to get the win. Okay, let's have a look at the Bundesliga table then at the halfway stage. Bayern Munich lead the way with 36 points from 17 games. But their two draws in a row means that the opposition have been able to catch up. Union Berlin back into second place after two straight wins on the bounce. 33 points, Leipzig in third on 32, Eintracht Frankfurt, Borussia Dortmund and Freiburg all on 31 points between fourth and sixth. Wolfsburg also in a very deep race for Europe with 29 points after getting their sixth win on the bounce in the Bundesliga. At the wrong end of the table, Schalke only have nine points through their opening 17 games. Five points behind Hertha Berlin in 17th, who themselves are two points behind Bochum in 16th, which is the same number of points that Stuttgart are on, 16 points. Augsburg are on 18, Hoffenheim on 19 with Mainz on 20, Werder on 21, as are Köln. Just to do the other two teams that we missed out on, Borussia Mönchengladbach 9th on 22 points, by Leverkusen 8th on 24. Anyway, let's just have a minute on the Dritter League. There's more information on the sportsblitzblog.wordpress.com on the article I mentioned earlier, going Deutsch 5678. No change in the top six in the Dritter League because they all won Alversburg with a dramatic 4-3 win against Ingolstadt being the main game. But Vehan also getting a win to stay just seven points behind them. 3-2 away at Hallescher. Saarbrücken won 2-0 away at Victoria Köln. Freiburg Schwei won 2-1 away at Meppen. 1860 Munich won 3-1 at home to Zwakau. And Waldorf Mannheim won 3-1 away at Duisburg. At the wrong end of the table, all of the bottom six lost their games. 
including Borussia Dortmund Schwein, who lost 2-1 against Osnabrück in the only game that wasn't mentioned in the article. For more about the Drisliga table, go look it up. It's actually quite an interesting league. I would recommend it. Also, you can watch the Magnetosport highlights, even if you're in the UK. So that's really good. Let's wrap up then with a quick mention of the games of the weekend. All times as per usual in Central European time. Of course, in the Bundesliga, I have to go for the Berlin Dar between Hertha Berlin and Union Berlin. Two sides entering with very different form, but you just don't know what will happen in a derby. 3.30pm on Saturday. Then my Spite Bundesliga game of the weekend is going to be Hanover against Kaiserslautern. Two sides really pushing for promotion. It's the Saturday night game at 8.30pm in Europe, 7.30pm in the UK. And then finally, my Dritterliga game of the weekend, Hallescher against Fakau in a relegation six points. Both sides of the relegation places at the moment, 2pm on Saturday. Anyway, that's all the time we have on this episode of Going Deutsch. The next episode will be slightly delayed to make space for the NFL Blitzers review of the Conference Championship round, but it should be up on Thursday anyway. I hope to see you then, but for the time being, I've been Alex Woodward, and until we meet again, I'll be the same.